We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Rotoviz? Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to the Fantasy uh, Football Podcast here on Rotoviz Radio. I am Curtis Patrick, joined by uh my faithful and trusty co-host dave cabin we're switching chairs tonight because we're going to be diving into one of the coolest tools on the site uh that we can use all season long the rotoviz game level similarity projection app that's right this is your week two projection show can't wait to go through some of these high ceiling high floor players to help you make those flex start sit decisions start envisioning you know just grand performances across your various fantasy rosters this is even applicable, you know, for those of you playing DFS. Uh, and we'll even highlight some plays for uh, Thursday night's game in case you like to play those short slate games over on Underdog uh, or DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever your favorite um, DFS style uh, platform might be. Dave, how are you doing tonight, man? You ready for this? Yeah, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I am. I am uh, pumped up. Had the pleasure of uh, taking a sneak peek at these yesterday um, refining some things now, uh, and looking forward to, to, to getting those up on the site. Once we finish, it's always fun to look at these game level similarity projections early on in the season. Now, granted, we only have one week of 2022 data informing them, but as I've mentioned, the app has a propensity to pick up on some players before your human eyes even start to, you know, pinpoint them as guys that get interesting. Yeah. So it's always fun early yeah. on to start to see some of these players that pop. I mentioned it last year. We started to see signs for Amon Ross St. Brown pretty early on. So I'm going to be paying close attention, try to find uh, this year's version as we work our way through this each week. I just love that, man. And and I remember when we were going through this last week and just some of the emails that you got from uh, the users or people maybe that were listening and some question marks being raised on James Conner and Kyle Pitts. Yep. And uh, hey, man, turns out maybe the app knew a thing or two because uh, you had a pretty strong performance from Conner and, uh, you know, Pitts uh, famously uh, whiffed in week one. So it, it is, you know, uh, again, you know, this is a process that doesn't necessarily take into account 
the specific matchup uh, for the player, um, but it's building a projection for our players based off of 50 similar performances by similar players against similar defenses. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, looking for those trends right. uh, can be very, very enlightening. And one important thing to note here, too, um, that though we will highlight that the app is, for example, if you're looking at a Cowboys player this week, doesn't know that Dak Prescott isn't in there. But seeing as we're looking at the 50 matchups, more often than not, one of those players that matches with Lamb is going to have a game in that sample where his quarterback was out. So that's why you kind of get this distribution of how things could go, and it's useful to have this, uh, you know, probability that you can assign given those matching players. You know, if you had 50 games that fit this context, you know, what that distribution would look like. All right. Well, I think that's a great uh, intro uh, to the tool. Again, we we went over this a little bit last week, and we'll continue to hammer away at you know what goes into the inner workings of our game level similarity projections. But you know, we we really wanted to do this as a hands on kind of tactical exercise on YouTube and and on social media streams because this this app is just really cool, and we we think you need the visual to go along um, with the audio uh, from the podcast. So uh, you can go to rotaviz.com, go to the tools. And you're just going to go to uh, the game level similarity uh, projections. It's called weekly GLSP projections here and the end season tools. And you're going to get a page that looks like this. And you can come down here and dial through the positions. It's going to default to an interesting uh, player uh, that gets highlighted at each position and give you just information on that one player. Uh, But as you dial through the tool, you can directly compare two players and graph their likely performances uh, at 25th, 50th, and 75th percentile outcomes for the popular scoring uh, settings across most fantasy leagues. And then you can even, of course, just get your full player list uh, by position or even by flex, uh, which is really cool, helping you make those uh, lineup start sit uh, decisions. So we're going to start with the quarterback position, Dave. And I thought what we would do today is uh, I will just highlight some of the popular uh, or presumed popular plays that, you know, likely are, you know, household names, highly priced on uh, various DFS platforms. Yep. And then I know you're writing a weekly article highlighting some of the projections that you find interesting from the tool. And that might even help with some of those start sits or some of those uh, hidden gems um, for, for daily fantasy purposes. So I think that's going to be the format tonight. And, uh, you know, hopefully the listeners and viewers, I will follow along uh, and enjoy the content. So we're going to start at quarterback. We're going to just go over to all players. And I've got it sorted right now for ceiling, man. I want to know <laughs> which players. That's where I'm going to start, man. I always want to know who's going to have that fire performance. And so I've got it sorted over here uh, in the far column uh, by likelihood of a 25-plus point fantasy uh, performance. And you can see right there Josh Allen in, in, in his 50 uh, player sample 46 percent of the time uh posting a, a game of, of 25 or more fantasy points it's just unreal uh followed by patrick mahomes at 40 percent joe burrow um off of a, a somewhat questionable performance in week one against the steelers very turnover laden looks like he might be in a uh, a rebound spot against dallas here in week two and then rounding out the top five, we have Tom Brady. And then a surprise, man. Yes. A surprise with Marcus Mariota. Uh, that is really interesting, I think. And uh, I, I'm sure, you know, maybe he is a streamer that would have been highlighted in your article. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
there's a couple of things going on with Mariota, mainly in a couple of his most recent performances. He's actually performed pretty well. Also, does get a little bit of a boost due to the rushing production that he accrued uh, in his week one contest. I believe that he went for 72 rushing yards on seven attempts, and I believe that he added a score as well, which gives him about 0.4 touchdowns how do i arrive at point four in the yeah. tool it's basically saying that his matches average when you take an average uh it comes out to 40 percent of them scored a touchdown that's how we arrive at that which is a pretty good measure now the really interesting thing about mariota this week curtis as you mentioned is that upside and he has an interesting distribution too in that 29 percent of his matches went between 10 to 15 but another 29% went above 25, <laughs> right? So yeah. it's an interesting distribution yeah. that you normally don't see. So it kind of speaks to the fact that at this point with Mariota, you can't be too certain what you're getting. But out of the quarterbacks that are likely to be available in most leagues, it is right. very hard on a week-to-week -week basis to ever find a streaming quarterback that has this much favorable upside baked into his projection. So we'll have to see how he fares. I think there were a lot of signs that gave people some optimism despite the aforementioned uh, weak performance from Kyle Pitts. But yeah, I, I like Mariota as one of the better streamers this week. Yeah. And this is a perfect segue into the comparison tool here, Dave, because, you know, I think the most popular quarterback streaming pickup play this week probably is going to be Carson Wentz. He's coming off the four sure. passing touchdown performance and spreading the ball, all those different uh, uh, various weapons in, in, in Washington. But I think uh, Mariota is an interesting consolation play there. And you can see how their distributions stack up here uh, in, in graphic form. Uh, Mariota is much more likely to, uh, based off of his sim group, much more likely to have that absolute boom game um, over 25 fantasy points. But uh, Wentz looks to, to have a much more projectable, you know, usable week with uh Man, adding this up quickly, 53, 69% um, of his Sims scoring at least 15 uh, fantasy points. So much safer and I think more justified, uh, you know, multi-week streaming play. Uh, he's obviously going to be the starter in Washington all season. Yep. You know, the app doesn't know that context. So if, you know, if you're going to make a fab bid uh, on a, a quarterback in week one uh, heading into week two, you know, you want to get multiple weeks out of him if possible. But right. I think Mariota was an interesting, you know, consolation prize there at the position. And then, you know, if he were to actually follow through and have one of these boom weeks in week two, you know, then obviously, you know, the app gets more information. It starts to change his projections moving forward in subsequent weeks. And, uh, you know, then, then we'll continue. It, it will continue to learn along with us. Dude, uh, by the back, way, not oh, to cut you off there, yeah. Carson Wentz, did you know that he has been a QB one in 40% of his last 18 games? Not bad. Yeah, not too shabby for, uh, let's see, last 18, what, his last 18 games. Okay, so I wonder if we went even back further, how that would spread across uh, his <laughs> last three rosters that he played for. But um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's a highlight on the disconnect between fantasy and reality sometimes yep. too, right? Yep. I mean, he's he much more usable in in, in, in fantasy uh, maybe than he is beloved in uh, reality by NFL fans. So um, running back down through just kind of the top 12, seeing if anybody else kind of pops out. You know, we already talked about that top five being Josh Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Brady, and Mariota. Um, some, you know, expected players in there with Justin Herbert, you know, in that potential boat race game against, uh, 
you know, Kansas City on Thursday night. Aaron Rodgers in a potential bounce back spot. You know, I think especially if he were to get Alan Lazard back, um, it didn't look like the connection was really there with too many of the other receivers. So uh, you and I are personally hoping that Lazard comes back and that connection with Rodgers comes to fruition in week two. Um, but then, you know, some other surprises. You know, we do have Wentz there. We've got Ryan Tannehill there, Jameis Winston there. So there are some more affordable quarterbacks, both from a, a waiver wire perspective, but then also from a DFS perspective to have some of those high ceilings with a, a reasonable, you know, probability of, of scoring greater than 25 points this week. If you want to go the opposite direction and just look at some of those high floors, you know, maybe this is a, you know, trying to find the, the cheap play from a cash game perspective, or maybe you're in a, a two QB league um, and, you know, you're, you're trying to decide between a questionable quarterback and your super flex spot versus you know, a position player. This is an, another way that you can use the tool looking at that 25th percentile outcome. Joe Burrow actually has the highest floor according to the app of any quarterback uh, this week. A lot of the same names that you would expect to see there, but then you start popping up with Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, and then even Joe Flacco, I think coming off all the passing attempts last week, um, you know, the team being, you know, a dog against Cleveland uh, and knowing how they operated uh, in week one, um, you know, playing from behind, I think, uh, you know, that that's good context to keep in mind as well. Anything else you want to add for quarterback or do you want to move on to the running attack? I think we can probably move on. There wasn't anything else that really stood out to me as that surprising this week. All right, Dave. Well, let's go over to the running backs again. You know, I want to start. Uh, I want to start with those, you know, big swings, man. I really want to start with those big swings. Let's sort this by 75th percentile um, outcome in PPR and your RB1 for the week by a landslide is James Conner with a 27.9 75th percentile PPR outcome. Um, this is crazy. You know, he's he's 6.1 points clear of the, the RB2. Um, so that's that's got to matter. Uh, we'll see how high his floor looks. But, I mean, Dave, um, any comments on, on Conner? This is a shocking ceiling. Yeah, it is. So one of the things that is driving this is that uh, in these similar types of matchups, the running backs have done a decent job of scoring not only more than half a rushing touchdown, but also adding a touchdown or not a touchdown, uh, a touchdown via the air, I guess I should say in 30 percent of these Mm. comparable cases. Now, you know, last week we talked about how it could pick up on signal of teams using running backs in those contexts or contests last week more than you might expect. I can I could certainly understand pushback on Connor getting that much credit for a receiving touchdown this week, but that is some of what's driving it. Mm. Um but again, we're seeing a player that's well positioned to have that touchdown potential which we can keep talking about needing to regress or being a fluke. But at this point, he's been doing it for a pretty long stretch. So it's understandable that you do have this type of upside uh, when you have that touchdown potential that's there. You should have a good workload. And again, he might see, you know, five or so targets and potentially convert one into a score. Yeah, that's really exciting. And then again, this is context that that the app doesn't have, but but we know about the Cardinals offense that they're still hurting uh, for weapons. Sure. You know, Rondell Moore sitting out again in practice today. You know, we're midweek already. Um, the team's not going to be at full strength. And I'm not even just talking about DeAndre Hopkins not being available. I mean, this team is really limping into week two 
already. So, you know, I think it's totally reasonable uh, just with human um, context that the team would lean in harder on him and uh, what looks like to be a very important game. I mean, this team in the NFC West can't afford to go down, you know, to 0-2. Um, I mean, this is a winnable division when you look how human uh, or coming back down to earth the Rams looked versus, you know, the juggernaut that they were last season. Um, Seattle, you know, I don't think there's high hopes for them. And, uh, you know, San Francisco losing on the road to the Bears in a little bit of a crazy weather game. I mean, this division, uh, you don't want to let it get away from you against, you know, what looks to be a pretty crowded uh, picture. So uh, the Cardinals, you know, maybe they'll take it out of, uh, the passing game's hands here a little bit and, and ride their RB1. Let's go back to the big list here and see who else is popping. Leonard Fournette had a huge workload in week one. He comes in as the RB2 in terms of uh, PPR ceiling for this week, followed by Dalvin Cook, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and then Antonio Gibson. Uh, I think that's a really interesting name for DFS purposes. And then if anyone's questioning that week one output, hey, the app thinks that he could have similar ceiling again in week two. Yeah, and I mean, there was so much opportunity there uh, for him last week. Now, I think the Commanders came out and had a very solid game. Might not perform as well moving forward. Uh, But one thing that we had talked about, though the team seemed to be somewhat down on Gibson, and you know he wasn't an every week RB type of one, if you do look at that recent sample of games that he's played, it might be better than you expect. So I actually think this could be a realistic projection for Gibson. Um, the one thing to note here is that uh, you know his matches beyond 25 are very slim, but I think it's notable that 18% did go between 20 to 25 and less yeah. than um, only 30% were held under um, 10. So decent projection yeah, overall. Yeah, he looks to be pretty safe. I mean, I think looking at this distribution, the way I'm handling Antonio Gibson, if I'm considering my RB2 or my flex or, you know, maybe even, um, you know, depending on the platform, you know, looking at him as a potential uh, DFS play, uh, he looks to be a very strong RB2 with maybe a mid RB1 ceiling for the week. Uh, doesn't look like he's profiling as a, a, a weak winner. Um Uh, per you know his 50 closest matches but you know a a pretty viable option and I mean Washington should definitely be able to hang in in a positive script against Detroit I mean this is a winnable game for them and you know with Brian Robinson still out you know Antonio Gibson's a little bit script proof here you know if they get down they've already shown that they'll feature him in the passing game in week one and if they get up he's the banger on the team right now they're not going to ride McKissick if they're up by you know 14 points in the fourth quarter so uh, I kind of like Gibson here and then going down a little bit further down the list, uh, we do see Devin Singletary still there. Um, you know, it seems like a year ago that the Bills week one game occurred already. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, try, trying to go back to that space in that game against L.A. where it was really kind of carved up pretty evenly between Singletary, Moss, and Josh Allen in terms of the rushing and then Moss having all the receiving. I would tend to uh, probably shy away from Singletary as a, a ceiling type play here just because you can see uh, that that floor really is pretty low compared to some of the other backs that we've already talked about Uh, rounding out the top 12 though uh, some other names that are pretty interesting Um, you have Austin Eckler you know that's going to be a huge game with Kansas City Saquon showing up there Najee Harris and then Kareem Hunt and AJ Dillon those are two names that you know really popped in week one because of their roles you know Kareem Hunt still has that same 
you know, high value touch role um, with Cleveland, even though Chubb looked basically invincible as a rusher. It yep. was Hunt getting, you know, the 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 targets in the passing game and scoring uh, two touchdowns for Cleveland. And then A.J. Dillon looks to have the more valuable role in Green Bay, at least through one week. And the app is taking notice. It actually had him um, in week one projected more favorably yeah. as well. So you definitely yeah. started to see this shift there in Green Bay in terms of uh, where the fantasy points are coming from. And I really think that um, you can make a lot of compelling cases for A.J. Dillon being the more valuable player moving forward. One thing that has separated them in the past was Aaron Jones always being able to some way, somehow get these big touchdown games together, having a very high touchdown rate. That might not manifest this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I can tell you, uh, I hope that the app's uh, leanings on A.J. Dillon are correct. I've got a $2,500 underdog Mastiff entry uh, that is banking (laughs) on A.J. smashing this year. Yeah. Um, Anything else to add on the running backs from your article on the site? Uh, or do you want to hop over to the wide receiver? Um, I think the only other thing, there was one other note that I had. Uh, for those of you that are looking at the screen, you can definitely fade the uh, Donta Foreman projection. I would say we know that with the current context, that's probably something that is not going to apply. I did want to call out Rex Burkhead, though. Obviously, oh. a very popular uh, waiver wire play this week, but the app does like him this week as well. Uh, in fact, an average of around 13 points, uh, you know, not too much upside, which you wouldn't expect, but I think for a player that you might've added from the wire when you need a plug and play, it's looking like you could certainly rely on him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly maybe flex worthy. And then it is interesting to see, uh, that he actually has a greater likelihood at 25 plus PPR versus 20 to 25. That kind of aligns with, the most likely game script that I think will occur, you know, Denver having that let down against Seattle, I think they're going to come out and just absolutely light Houston up. Um, and so even though, uh, you know, even though Denver um, uh, or even though Houston wants to get Damian Pierce a little bit more involved this week, he could get scripted out. Burkhead is going to still be the receiving back, even if Pierce is a little bit more active than his 11 carries in week one. Um, so, you know, there's always that chance that, that Burkhead just gets peppered with, uh, you know, as part of the passing attack in the second half. Let's hop over to the wide receiver position. I think as we kick it off, before we even do 
the rundown of the high performers, uh, we've got a, a question from the chat. And this is a great way to use the tool. Yep. Um, so Adam Weber asks, should I start uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Allen Robinson, or DJ Moore as a flex in full PPR this week? Well, they're all wide receivers, so we can stay on that tab. But this will be pretty easy, man. Um, let's look at the 50th percentile for each of those players. And then we can also look at ceiling and floor and see if we can come up with a good recommendation for Adam here. So uh, I can... I can't compare three players. I can compare two, but you know we'll just we'll just search them uh, in the bar here. It looks like uh, Marcus Valdez Scantling, uh, his median projection for ten point one PPR and a ceiling of thirteen point five PPR. Dave, I hope you're keeping track of this. I am. Uh, let's find. Yep. Okay. Good. So let's actually, I think that Robinson. Uh, I have to add back in due to a change in naming convention with the Allen Robinson oh two. Always fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay well, but i can tell Moore. you that i don't yeah. think uh well let's just see how it plays out between Moore and valdez scantling i can actually tell you from looking scantling has more upside there's fairly similar downside yeah. of course you have a very different situation for valdez scantling this year now playing alongside patrick mahomes i think he saw four targets uh to open the season dj moore is going to be one of those guys we're always hoping for more, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to come together in the career. From a GLSP perspective, if you're looking from upside, you'd have to lean Scantling. Um, I'll let you weigh in, though, Curtis. If we kind of remove that element, do you have any other thoughts on this uh, decision? Well, um, you know, the the app needs to ha be updated with Allen Robinson. We don't see him um, in here. I actually would go Allen Robinson um, of the three. Yeah. Um, in full PPR, I think that, you know, the team leaned so heavily on cup and then still had the letdown. They're going to have to make opposing defenses, you know, guess at least a little bit yep. with what's going to happen. I mean, this is a definitely setting up to be a get right week for the Rams offense against Atlanta. Um, I do think Daryl Henderson will be uh, a pretty interesting play at running back, but I think Allen Robinson is, is going to get, uh, uh, a, a big handful, maybe even two handfuls of targets this week. And I, and I like him to score a touchdown. So Adam, I'm going to give him a second shot here um, as, you know, the presumed number two in that Rams passing attack in a game that I think they should be able to dominate um, versus DJ Moore, who all of a sudden appears to be competing, not only um, with Christian McCaffrey, but also with, with Robbie Anderson for Baker Mayfield's affections. Uh, great <laughs> question there. Okay, let's go down uh, the list from a ceiling perspective at wide receiver. Just some massive, massive scores in here. And this is this really lines up with some of the zero RB and structural-based drafting um, sentiments that you know are so near and dear to us here at Rotoviz. Looking at these ceilings of these elite wide receivers versus what we saw at the running back position. You know, James Conner was leading the way this week at around 27 PPR, and then the next highest running back was in, down in the 21 range. We have uh, nine wide receivers um, <laughs> that are projected to be uh, with ceilings projected higher than the RB2 um, this week. Pretty, yep. pretty cool stuff. So Devontae Adams leads the way with a, a 75th percentile uh, projection in week two of 30. <laughs> it's insane. 31. That's not even his top, man. It's the 75th. Like right. there's a whole quartile above it. Right. This is nuts, man. Uh, Devontae Adams had a really exciting week one, even though uh, Derek Carr still looks like Derek Carr. Cooper Cup, uh, unshockingly coming in at, at number two from a ceiling perspective with 27.3 PPR this week. Um, ARSB, 
Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the running back position for the commanders, you know, coming back the other direction for the Lions um, and a wide receiver three overall ceiling uh, for Amon Ray St. Brown uh, this week, followed by many familiar faces, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Justin Jefferson, rounding out the top six of the position. Um, when you see Keenan Allen here, you know, he's not expected to play from a hamstring uh, perspective. So you can start thinking about, you know, what would happen with his touches and how some of the other players in the offense um, are projecting. So we can pull up Mike Williams here. You know, he's got a pretty pedestrian um, projection uh, this week, you know, really more of a low end wide receiver three with that 11.1 PPR uh, average outcome in, in a sub 14 PPR 75th percentile projection. But those Keenan Allen targets are going to have to go somewhere and the app doesn't know that Keenan Allen isn't playing. So that's one way to play it. Uh, we also know that Gerald Everett uh, was very involved in the passing game last week. You've got the wide receiver three and four with uh, Josh Palmer um, in the mix, uh, probably most likely in the mix for some of those touches. And then, of course, could just all go to Austin Eckler. You know, who knows? So uh, you have to add in that context. The app doesn't know those things. But we also see Tyler Boyd, Elijah Moore, Hunter Renfro, and Deontay Johnson rounding out the wide receiver ones. Dave, any uh, any pass catchers popping out to you there, or is there anyone that you mentioned in the article that you would want the viewers to take note of? Yeah, well, I, I'm glad that you pointed out Boyd because I thought that one was definitely notable. Uh, DJ Chark scores pretty high this week. Um, you know, had a good opening to the season. It looks like he could carry that forward. Then one of the things I noted in the article uh, was that Curtis Samuel is, for the first time in a long time, finishing very favorably in the tool. And if you look at his actual projection uh, in the line that it builds, it has him for 7.1 targets, 4.7 receptions, 57 yards, 0.2 touchdowns, but a very solid percentage of his matches, 31% to be exact, went between 10 to 15. I'm inclined to say that that feels somewhat repeatable. Uh, so he's a yeah. player that, you know, maybe you could think about uh, in a flex position for your team, also Christian Kirk uh, scores fairly highly. Looks like a wide receiver three this week. The other name that sneaks into uh, the wide receiver two range is Jacoby Myers. So those were some of the guys that I thought were noteworthy. Uh, there's also a couple of players that it wasn't a big fan of this week. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, who some managers might have wanted to sit out this week anyway and get a better sense of what things are going to look like in San Whoa. Francisco. This is a this is a bad distribution day and, for Ayuk. <laughs> and it's also interesting that it's not really oh. a big fan of Terry McLaurin. And then of course we see DJ Moore down pretty low, who we all already mentioned, as well as uh C D Lamb. Oh boy. Yeah, this is a scary one for Terry. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, this, is a, bad, tough, this is a really bad distribution for Terry. Um, and then here was the last one you said. You had said DJ Moore. Let's pull him up. Yep. Oh, we already talked about him in the start sit. Yeah, this is just ugly. Just no It's, it, it's really I mean, ugly. very minimal activity at 15. Uh, Zero. Or above. Zero. He's above 20. He's, yeah, I mean, he's a coin flip flex option rather than you know a wide receiver two which is how most people probably draft yeah it's rough we, we got to get an even sadder trombone for these last couple that we looked <laughs> at um 
that's pretty tough. So, okay, well, we're going to go on to the tight end position. If you are watching uh, on YouTube or on social, you want to drop us a line. If you have a couple uh, start-sit questions, we can show you what the app thinks and add in our two cents as well. And again, we can do this uh, cross-positionally from a flex perspective. It's one of the great things about the game level similarity projections tool, and we can put your flex conundrums in there for you. Let's head over to the tight end position and see what it's got for us this week. Some pretty high ceilings uh, for the top three. We've got Travis Kelsey at 25.4 PPR for a ceiling. Uh, Dalton Schultz at 22.4 and Mark Andrews at 18.5. None of those really shockers. And then I think when you add in the context for the Dallas Cowboys, that they're going to be playing with their their backup quarterback um, and CeeDee Lamb, highly questionable uh, with two receptions on his 11 targets in week one. Um, you, you know, I think it, it's natural to think that, you know, Schultz would continue to be, you know, highly involved and potentially there's going to be a little bit more check down activity with that QB2 Cooper rush in there versus uh, downfield strikes to to CD and some of the other wide receivers. So I kind of like that. And the app doesn't even have that context. Um, going a little bit further down the list, we have TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, Logan Thomas popping, uh, you know, active in week one. And then Tyler Conklin, you know, Conklin was a little bit of a pump play. Uh, punt play in some of our best ball drafts that we did uh, this summer, Dave. And, you know, he did have a handful of targets, uh, only 14 receiving yards and a touchdown. Um, but he did have a role uh, with Flacco. And even though, you know, the quarterback he was really popping with uh, all summer was Zach Wilson. So I think, you know, in terms of like a desperation play, if you're if you're like us and you're really, uh, really overexposed to Cole Komet in all yep. formats, and you're scared with what happened in week one, and you just don't have the stomach to roll them out there again in week two. You know, there's not a lot, not a lot out there typically at the tight end position. But Conklin is one of those players, you know, who had a role. You know, did get the the target in the in the end zone. Um, you know, uh, as, as a high value uh, opportunity there at the tight end position. Anybody popping for you here, or is there anybody that you mentioned in your article that you would want people to know about? I actually don't think at tight end that there were anybody there was any player that was particularly surprising. I think from having looked at these uh you know across so many weeks now, I can say that you find the least surprises at tight end outside of guys like the Travis Kelseys of the world. Often just what it's searching for is tight ends that were able to score a touchdown in their matchup. So there's often a big a big drop off between Andrews, yeah. Kelsey, and whoever else it is. And then a lot of the players are sandwiched uh, pretty close in the same range. Uh, Conklin really was the only name I would have called out that people might not already be thinking about. Okay. Well, this has been great. Uh, I do want to point people back over to uh, the website. You know, if you like this type of content, you like the idea of. Uh, you know, using data to drive start sit decisions, um, or or just using it as a little bit of a I don't know a barometer for which direction you could go. Maybe yep. you use it to eliminate. You you use the the floor. Who has the lowest floor? Let's eliminate those guys from consideration at the flex position, and then we make a human decision on who needs to go in the lineup. Um, you know, after we've kind of uh, thrown out the trash uh, using the the game level similarity projections but this is a great app uh, we're going to be back every week this season going over uh, what the tool sees in the in the coming week so you know you can set your clocks to this we will typically do this show on tuesday nights rather than wednesday nights um so 
uh, you know, there could be times where we do it Wednesday. It just depends on when we get the data for the prior week, but we're going to aim for Tuesdays and uh, we'll let you know on social uh, when we're going to be doing it. So bring those start sits to this show. This is your show to do that. Um, and you'll get an answer, you know, right here on the air. You can get that lineup set and forget about it. Uh, anything you want to add, Dave, before we say sayonara? No, I think that was solid. Uh, just get in there, go to the site, uh, you know, play around with this tool and good luck uh, setting your lineups. What's up, Roto-Biz?